This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, for more on all this, Nolan Smith, but more importantly, on Jalen Carter, the Eagles' first pick at pick nine, uh, we turn to, uh, let's be real, our number one guy when it comes to analyzing the Eagles and football and the whole deal. He is a Hall of Famer. He is the Diddy. He is uh, the great, uh, hold on, James, there it is right there, the great Ray Diddiger. Ray Diddy, how are you, sir? I'm doing fine, Joe. How are you? Ray, we're good. So, Man, did I think of you a lot last night, Ray, because we know that in the lead-up to this draft, you were, and for those listening right now might not know this, you were not on board with the Jalen Carter thing to the point you had him uh, not only below B. John Robinson, you had him below Skaronsky. So let's just lay it out to start. Do you think that Jalen Carter, gut feeling, Ray, do you think it was a mistake by Howie Roseman last night? Oh, no. No, no, no. When I, when I was talking to you guys about, uh, about Carter, what I was talking about was what I thought were I was weighing the likelihood that he would be available to the Eagles at that point. That's what it was. I thought okay. Skaronsky would probably be there. Uh, I thought that Robinson would almost certainly be there. Um, I put in terms of the likelihood that Carter would be there. I didn't think, I, I didn't think based on everybody that I spoke to, um, and over the course of weeks, that Carter was was ever going to drop below five. I thought you had, you had ex- th- Ray. You had expressed strong concern about the off the field stuff, though. Oh sure, and I think I think you do have to weigh that. I, I think that's part of the equation. I mean, that's why he was there at nine. I mean, if you're just evaluating him as a player, um, I mean, there was a case before any of this other stuff happened. There were people that thought that he was the best player in the draft that he would be number one ahead of the quarterbacks. I mean, that's if you just went by his playing career and just by what you saw on the tape, you could make a case that he might have been number one. But all the other stuff is what dropped him down to number nine. So, I mean, you, you have to keep that in mind for sure. But, I mean, when I was talking about the, the possibilities of what the Eagles would have a, a shot at at 10, you know, I thought Carter was probably the least likely because I knew they had interest in him. I knew there was a genuine interest in there, and I understand it. I mean, they need to, they need to, replace, they need to replace that inside, inside pass rush that they lost with Hargrove. But um, I didn't think there was any way he was going to get past five, and to trade up to three or four probably would have been, to go from ten to that high probably would have cost too much. Yeah. I never thought, I really never thought that he was going to get to nine, but once he got past Seattle at five, that was big. Then I began. Then yeah. Then I began to say, well, you know what? This is possible now. I give Howie credit. You know, Howie could have jumped up and tried to move to six or seven or eight, yeah. but he he yeah, but he waited and waited and waited, 
and it turns out that he, he's there at nine, and he gets him for a fourth-round pick next year. I thought it was it was a masterful job by Howie Roseman, and he comes away with a heck of a player that I never thought had a chance in the world to come in here. So, Ray, you, you love the pick. It's not like. It now sounds like you love the pick. Is that fair? Oh, I do. I do. As, as a player, I mean, there, there are the other concerns that you, I mean, you have to, you know, you have to have those in the back of your mind. But just as a player, yeah, absolutely. Because that was the biggest single hole that they had, I thought, on the mm-hmm. team was, was, find, was finding that other defensive tackle for the rotation. A, a guy inside who could really get pressure on the quarterback. And Carter is far and away the best player in the draft could provide you that. And to get him for what they got him at nine for a fourth-round pick next year was, um, you know, I, I think was really good. Now, you know, now he's got to come in here and play to that. Yeah. You know, now he's got to come in here and be that player. But as far as just the raw talent, yeah, I mean, he's, he's special. You don't see guys like that come along very much. And there was really no other defensive tackle in this draft that's even close to him. You know, yeah. Defensive tackle was not, a, was not a great position in this draft. It was him, and then there was everybody else. And uh, I didn't think the Eagles would have a shot at him, but they did. And they came away with a guy that has a chance to be a real impact player. Ray, they, they've not only come away with Jalen Carter, they've come away with half of his team from Georgia <laughs> as well. Have you seen this in all in all your time watching sports? Have you ever seen a team reconsolidate a college group the way the Eagles have? And how much better does it make you feel about Jalen Carter that he's got three guys from his team to help be a support network? I think that helps, uh, and I think that that probably factored into it. Uh, that you know, they're you know, I think it's fair to say that there are maturity issues with him. I mean, there's been some evidence of that. Uh, and you have to weigh that as part of the equation here. But, and John, you've been around this game long enough that you know that um, there are guys of all different sorts of um, – they come from all different kinds of backgrounds with all different kinds of personalities and all different kinds of baggage, frankly. And mm-hmm. a lot of times what makes the difference between guys that are able to thrive and guys that – fall victim to old bad habits is the culture that they walk into and the players that are around them. And, you know, how good a locker room is it? Uh, how good an organization is it? Uh, and how good are your teammates there? Do, do these guys know what it takes to be pros? Do they know how to take what it takes to win? And you certainly have that. Uh, you certainly have that in Philadelphia, not just with his guys from Georgia, uh, but also with the, with the veteran guys that he's going to now be meeting and getting to work with for the first time. I mean, guys like Graham and guys like Cox and, you know, guys like Kelsey and Lane Johnson. I mean, they're, they're professionals uh, to the nth degree. So being in that kind of locker room, I think, is a, is a great opportunity for Carter to come in and get comfortable right away, understand what the difference is from going high-level college football to the pros, where it really becomes a job, and then just go in, settle in, understand that, and go out and let your talent take over. And if that's the case, then, then he comes in, and day one, he's going he's gonna to make your defensive line <laughs> pretty ferocious. Ray Dininger with us here. Pete Hammer coming up in about 10 minutes. Ray, if you could, I, I think it's fair to say Jalen Carter follows the lineage of great defensive tackle prospects, Jerome Brown, Fletcher Cox. I'm curious, how does Jalen Carter, the prospect, compare in your opinion to what Jerome was as a prospect and a player, what Fletcher Cox was as a prospect and a player? Um, he's somewhere in between the two, which is not a bad place to be, actually. Um, in, in some ways, in some ways, he's unique. He's um, 
Uh, he's bigger than Jerome, um, but he's uh, but he's more explosive than Fletcher. And Fletcher was Fletcher was really good when, when he was when he was coming out of college. Um, the thing I liked about Fletcher was that he was very he played the position very smartly. Uh, I mean, he wasn't fooled on anything. He always knew he 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 would always sort of drift his way to a screen pass. He he. I thought he played. I thought he played defensive tackle. He was obviously very physical, but I also thought he played with a with a high IQ in there. It's one of the things I really liked about him, and he's demonstrated that throughout his career. It's one of the reasons why he's still playing in his, into his deep into his thirties. Jerome was a was, um, you know, the old term. He's a, a rolling ball of butcher knives kind of player, which is really kind of what he was. Um, but you see, but the thing that made Jerome great was that that first step explosion for a guy that was sort of squatty in his build was out that first step out of his stance was so was so sudden and so powerful that um, that he could split double teams before they could even take shape and you see some of that with carter um i think that one of the things with carter is his i think this is partly a function of having been at georgia and having so much depth on the defensive line uh and you saw this a little bit with jordan davis last year is that those guys, as good as they were, rotated so much that they didn't play a ton of snaps in college. So if they come to a situation where they have to play 60, 65, 70 snaps a game, it takes a toll on them. So getting conditioning and staying in condition and controlling your weight is going to be critical. We said that about Davis mm-hmm. last year, and it's probably true for Carter, too, because one of the things that made the Georgia guys really good was they had so many good players, and they could rotate them and stay fresh into the fourth quarter. So Carter's going to have to apply himself to that too, and the performance at the pro day is a little worrisome. You know that he yeah. gained weight after the combine. He's going to have to watch that. But in terms of his that first step quickness, his ability to use his hands, um, just his raw power, his transition from speed to power is uh, is it's really it's really remarkable. I mean, he really has a, a tremendous skill set. Now he just has to come here and apply it. But for the Eagles to come away with both he and Nolan Smith last night, I, I never thought it was possible. I didn't think they would have a shot at Carter. I really didn't. And I certainly didn't think that Nolan Smith was going to be there at 30. That, to me, was a real shocker. Yeah, how did, how did that happen? Why did that happen? Uh, Nolan Smith still available for our second first-round pick. I don't know. I guess some of it, probably some teams were a little concerned about the injury. You know, I mean, if, you know, he did not finish last season. Uh it, ironically, he had a similar injury to the injury that uh, that Nicobe Dean came out of Georgia with. I mean, it was a pec injury, um, and I think that that was probably part of it. People wondered about uh, about that. Uh, I think his size is probably yes. a little bit of a concern to some people. I mean, he's just a shade over six two. Um, and does that so concern you, Ray? At, what's that? How much does no, that concern well, you? I, I think it, it's, it a lot depends on, on how the defensive coordinator is going to use him. I, I think people probably looked at him. I mean, I did kind of, too. Um, you know, is he a defensive end? Is he a hand-on-the-ground defensive end? He played some of that at Georgia, but can he play that here in the NFL? Or is he a stand-up linebacker? Mm, okay, are you, how much 3-4 are you going to play? Um, you know, where are you going to use him? The athletic talent is without question. I mean, he's... You know, four three nine speed. I mean, that kind of stuff mm-hmm. you just don't see very often. And um, also, I, I think that that's probably it. I, I mean, he was probably in some people's minds a bit of a tweener, and uh, so he probably he probably wouldn't fit everybody's system. 
but now what the Eagles are going to have to do is they've got some guys in here that are um, really talented defensive players but aren't necessarily fits for every system. So this is going to be a little bit of a challenge for your new defensive coordinator is finding ways to deploy guys like Reddick and Davis uh, and you know Carter and Carter and Smith and find play- ways to utilize them that plays to their strengths. One of the great things about Carter um, is that he, I, I think he is very versatile. I think he can play the one technique. I think he can play, I think he's more natural three, but I've also mm-hmm. seen him play five. So you can move him down the line. I mean, you could have defensive fronts where you have Davis, Cox, and Carter all on the field at the same time sure. playing their positions because, Carter, because I've seen Carter move up and down the line that much. So it's, a lot of this is going to – you're giving your new defensive coordinator a lot of really good pieces to work with, but he's going to have to find a way to utilize them to their best advantage. Ray Dittinger with us right now. Beat the hammer coming up in about three minutes. By the way, we'll take uh, the fifth caller right now on the contest line. Caller number five. You'll compete in Beat the Hammer in just a couple minutes. Caller five, 215-988-1258. Caller five, contest line. Get dialing right now. You'll be competing in Beat the Hammer in a matter of moments. Ray, one final thing here, um, and it's completely separate from the draft last night. We found out last night that the NFL hit Jonathan Gannon and the Arizona Cardinals with a tampering charge related to his move from from Philly to Arizona and their contact with him in the lead up to the Super Bowl. And And I'm curious from your end, you know, Eagles lose to the Raiders in 80. It's just a straight up legit loss. There's no doubt. Eagles get outplayed. 04 Eagles might have been cheated when they lost to the Patriots. We can't prove it, but man, there's a lot of speculation. Mm-hmm. Now you have another situation where it's like, did something nefarious happen that contributed to a Super Bowl loss? What, what, what are your thoughts on this reality that the NFL has deemed Gannon and the Cardinals' actions to be punishable and that it might have influenced a Super Bowl loss by the Philadelphia Eagles? Well, I mean... Yeah, does the thought occur to you? Sure. Uh, uh, it, it would. Uh, I mean, if, if the league has deemed it actionable, yeah. I mean, something outside the rules obviously took place, which is unfortunate. Uh, did it have an impact on the game? I don't know. I mean, if you saw Nick Sirianni's press conference after the, uh, after the draft was over last night, um, he was asked specifically about that. And he just kind of shrugged it off and said, no, you know, I, I worked with Jonathan well, all week. what's he going to say, Ray? You know, what's he going to say? I, I suppose, but, I mean, you, you can't just, you, I mean, you can't just assume that he's lying then. Yeah, but well, I'll say uh, this. How he acted like the field being no big deal was no big deal. But I think we all know he knows it was a big deal. Yeah, well, yeah. And, you know, you, know, you have an Arizona team that, I mean, listen, they're already, they're already – allegations and, and things about the ownership there and some of the stuff that Michael Bidwell has done uh, that seem to be outside, uh, outside the rules. And you hate to see that. But how much impact did it have? I don't know. I, I mean, I don't know that – to me, Gannon coached that game the way Gannon coaches games. I mean, if there wasn't anything about the way that went down, sad as it was in the second half, that we hadn't seen before. So I, I don't know that that had any impact on the game. But – if you're an Eagles fan, you probably start to think about that. I don't put a whole lot of stock in it. I, re- I, I really don't. But if people, if people are going to wonder about it and talk about it and speculate about it, I understand that too. By the way, before I let you guys go, you would, uh, John was talking about this whole 
University of Georgia alumni society that the Eagles are building here. <laughs> yeah. um, let me throw another name in there before this draft is over. I was thinking this on my drive home last night. Um, you know, the Detroit Lions, with by drafting Gibbs, have added another running back. Uh, and, you know, I think we could get DeAndre Swift right now. Totally. Ooh. Totally. <laughs> Ray, as I'm, soon, as, soon I, as they I, made that pick, I had the same thought. You know what, though? Does DeAndre Swift give you a consistent offensive weapon? Like, uh, DeAndre Swift feels like he plays in a third of the games for the Lions throughout his entire career. Well, that's the issue. Absolutely. But, I mean, issue. I can't imagine, Ray, they're going to keep Swift when they already have those other two running backs. I just No, no they're not. I mean, he's there, there's – and if you saw – I came home and I went online and I looked up the Detroit thing because I thought it was just odd that, the, that this pick was made. And, um, and I saw the comments by their general manager. And his comments were, well, DeAndre, somebody who's asked specifically about it, what, what the picking of Gibbs meant for DeAndre Swift, he said, well, he's still on our roster, is what he said. <laughs> so, in other words, okay, we got two more days of the draft. Anybody's interested, give us a call. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, I think the Eagles, listen, I would. I mean, I think John's right at this point. I mean, he's only 24, but he's not been a full-time player. He's had some injury history. But if you're the Eagles right now, you know, right now you could probably you could probably go looking for another running back to, to fill out that backfield. And you know, why not bring back a Philly kid who's going to be joining his uh, all a bunch of his old Georgia teammates? It, to me, I think the Lions are looking to move Swift right now. I don't think they're in a position to ask for a lot. He's on the last year of his rookie contract, so he's not making a whole lot of money. You're not going to ask him to be your lead back. You're just asking him to be part of a of a a, a, a multi-purpose kind of backfield. Um, I think he's gettable, and I think uh, if, if I were the Eagles, I'd be looking into it. Ray, wonderful stuff. We look forward to talking uh, soon, probably next week, and we'll, we'll keep recapping all of it. Ray, thanks so much, man. Great stuff today. All right. Take care, guys. See you. Bye-bye. Ray. There he is.